So we are in a revival series right now. And even though our revival nights begin tomorrow night, you don't wanna miss out this entire week, I pray that today revival begins in you. Because that's where it starts. Revival begins in me. And as a body of believers, we need to be a revived body. My father-in-law was a pastor and he would always say, revival is for the believer because you cannot revive something that has not yet lived. So this is for the believers in the house. We need revival. And if you are here today or tuning in online or in one of our locations, if you have not yet placed your faith in Jesus, you are gonna have an opportunity today to do it. It'll be the greatest choice of your life. And when you do place your faith in Jesus, you become a believer and a follower of him and enter in the need for revival. So I've got one key verse today. We're gonna break it apart, talk about it, learn about it, get into God's word, discover what it means, and I pray that you will apply it to your life. Yes? All right. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. All right, first little part here is if my people, that is those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, we are God's people. Now I wanna make something a little bit clear to you because you probably have heard this term before, that we are all God's children, right? Well, I gotta correct that a little bit. You see, we are all God's creation. He created us, every single one of us. But you do not become a child of God until you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it is then that you become a child of God. So if my people, so this is a verse for those who have placed their faith in Jesus, those who are believers. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves. So there's gotta be a, a form of humility in the next three things, which is pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them, forgive them, and heal their land. How many of you need God to hear from you? How many of you need the forgiveness of God? How many of you feel that our land needs some healing? Amen to that, with an exclamation point. In order for those things to happen, we as a body of believers, the church, not LifePoint Church, the Big C Church, the body of believers must come together, pray, seek the face of God, and that's it, right? No. The last one we don't like to talk about. Turn from our wicked ways. That is a piece of the formula, if you will, right? So today, I wanna break down prayer, seeking the face of God, and turning from our wicked ways. Because you just told me, we need God to hear from us, forgive us, and heal our land, right? So I pray for some of you today, if this is the first time you're hearing this, that you will take it, and it'll change your life. And for those of us who maybe are familiar with this verse or you've heard this before, let this be a remembrance because information leaks. 
Anybody with me? If you haven't yet reached a certain decade of life, information leaks. All right, so this is our reminder today. We're gonna pray, we're gonna seek the face of God, and we're gonna turn from our wicked ways. Again, remembering it starts with humility. Don't be confused. Humility does not mean I think less of myself. Meaning, I'm a terrible person. I'm the scum of the earth, I am awful, la la la. No, that's, that's not the type of humility I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a humility that puts yourself down. I'm not talking about a humility that acts like you don't have some kind of purpose in your life. I'm not talking about a kind of humility that forgot I'm created on purpose, for a purpose, by the God who is my creator, right? So humility is not thinking of less of myself, it's thinking of myself less. I said that right, right? Okay, because it's, so I, gotta, I gotta read it because it's a little tricky. Not thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. Meaning a full dependence of God in every area of my life. So in humility, I come with prayer. In humility, I come to seek your face. And in humility, I come to turn from my wicked ways. So first point is prayer. We must pray. Now, I think, I think most of us as believers, even non-believers in the house today, you probably got this one down. I'm imagining you probably pray maybe even more than you realize. But prayer is a very specific thing that needs to happen in order for God to hear from us, forgive us, and heal our land. You know, Peter was thrown into prison in Acts chapter 12. And in verse five, it says that the church came together and earnestly prayed for his release. They prayed for the release of their friend. They came together to pray for his deliverance and for his rescue. Let me tell you very quickly what happened. The night before his trial, an angel of the Lord showed up right before his trial, right there in the prison. The angel awakened Peter and told him to quickly get up. His chains fell and he escaped from the prison. He then went to the house of Mary where many had gathered to pray. While they were praying, he began to knock at the door. Right in the middle of their prayers, God had already answered what they'd been praying for. He shows up at the door. This is my favorite part. The girl who came to the door recognized his voice and was so overjoyed that she forgot to let him in. I think I would do that. I think I would be like, surprised, but I'm not supposed to be surprised because we did pray to God and we do believe, but like, oh my word, he's actually at the door knocking. She was so surprised, she overjoyed, she forgot to let him in, and she ran back to the group to announce his return. Keep praying, God hears you, because there is power in the unity of prayer among the believers. There is power in unity among the prayer of believers. So you keep praying, don't give up. We humbly come to God and we pray. Second point is we're gonna seek his face. God says, seek my face. This is a, a posture of pressing in or leaning into God. You know, the Hebrew word for face in the Old Testament is translated presence. So another way we could word this is we, we are going to seek the presence of God. You tuning in online or being at one of our campuses, you chose to be here today, maybe somebody dragged you, however it is, you have been in the presence of our God. 
We're gonna seek his presence. Seeking the face of God is desiring to know the character of God and wanting to be in his presence more than anything we want or anything we need. So I'm gonna choose to not just get into his presence because I know that their miracles can happen or I know that there, maybe God will hear me clear, whatever maybe thoughts we have, but we simply say, God, I want to seek your presence just to be in your presence. Not for something that I need, but as a gift, as a sacrifice, as a surrender to you. I wanna seek your presence. There's a great story in the Bible in 1 Samuel about a girl named Hannah. Hannah had a husband named Elkanah, and Elkanah also had another, another wife named Panina. So there's Elkanah and his wives, Hannah and Panina. If you want to know why he had two wives, I encourage you today to talk to Pastor Eddie after church. <laughs> I'm sure he will be happy to explain that for you. All right, but this is part of the story. So Elkanah has Panina and Hannah as his wives. Every year, they traveled to the temple, to the house of the Lord, to bring sacrifice and worship. And every year, year after year, Panina would provoke and irritate Hannah for her inability to bear children, to the point where Hannah would weep and not eat. You see, Hannah could not have children because the Lord closed her womb. But Panina had many children, and Panina she wasn't nice nasty, she was just nasty, all right? She was rude, she was unkind, she wanted to provoke Hannah, irritate Hannah, to the point where it was so painful for Hannah, she couldn't even keep it together. She would weep, she wasn't able to eat, all of these things. But yet, year after year, she would travel to the house of the Lord knowing her enemy would taunt her and cause her great pain. But she did not allow her circumstances to keep her from the house of God. You see, this is an example of seeking God's presence. No matter what life throws at me or what prayer has not yet been answered or the miracle that's needed that has not yet come to pass, I will not forsake finding a way to be in the presence of God. Nothing was gonna change. Now, I will tell you as the story goes, God did answer her prayer and Hannah had a son and she named him Samuel. And he was so important that two books in the Bible were named after him. First and second Samuel, right? But even though, even that when that day didn't come and she knew she was gonna go to the temple year after year and she knew she was gonna be provoked, she didn't stay home. She went to the house of the Lord. Listen to this, Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Who in this room, including me, has made some really bad habits over the last two years? Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't give up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. This is where encouragement happens, is in the house of the Lord. You find his presence, but you also find community and one another. And do this all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, do this all the more as you see the return of Christ come closer. So we seek God's face by seeking to be in his presence. Also, miracles can happen in the atmosphere of believers. You gotta be here for revival nights. If you've never experienced a revival night before, choose a night, 
Actually, choose tomorrow night, because once you come, you'll want to keep coming. So come tomorrow night. Get in the presence of Jesus. You will have an opportunity to pray and to seek God's presence and to seek his face. All right, point number three is this. Everybody's favorite, turn from their wicked ways. Another word for wicked ways, simply put, is sin. To turn from sin. Now, I want to focus in on this point today. Because again, in order for God to hear from us, forgive us, and heal our land, we must pray, seek his face, and also turn from our wicked ways. Now, maybe some of you in this room, the word repent or the word repentance puts a certain picture in your mind. Maybe for some of you, you see someone standing on the side of the road with a megaphone screaming, repent! for the time is come, turn or burn. You know, I don't know. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, whatever it may be. I'm not sure what it is when you think of the word repent or repentance, but let me tell you this. Romans 2, 4 talks about how it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You see, he wants us to be in communion with him in great communion with him, and it is sin that separates us from being close with him in his presence. So what he desires for us is to come together and to repent and come close to him, and he does this through his kindness. It's the very character of who he is. All right, now let's take apart this word a little bit, repentance. Are you still with me? Say yes. yes. Good. All right, in the Greek, the word repentance is translated change of mind, okay? So in order to have repentance, we must have a change of mind. In the Hebrew, the meaning of the word repentance is return or to turn around, okay? We could also say a change of direction, all right? So repentance is not just a change of mind, but it is also a change of direction. All right, I love this quote from Billy Graham one of the greatest evangelists of our time. Change your mind and God will change your heart. You see, we don't have the power to change our heart. You don't have the power to change your heart. I don't have the power or the ability to change your heart. Only God can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what I do have the ability to do is to change my mind, right? Repentance is twofold, change of mind and turnaround. But it starts with a change of mindset in order for God to change our heart. In other words, only God has the ability to change my heart, but I choose to change my mind by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So you place your faith in Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit, and he helps you, once you've changed your mind, change your heart. Now, this isn't a, well, I don't agree with it, but I'll do it anyway, change of mind. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, there's a lot of things in the word of God that I don't like. I mean, honestly, it says in here that I cannot hold an offense. Honestly, I kind of like holding an offense because then it makes me feel like I'm right. 
because it keeps me from having to have a hard conversation when I hold an offense. Do you know that in this word, it tells me that whatever it is, whatever I'm capable of, I have to bring kindness to the situation? Kindness. That means when somebody cuts me off on the road, I'm supposed to be nice about it. Now, it doesn't mean that I have to be like, thank you so much. I'm so glad you cut me off. No, but if it is in my ability, I'm gonna choose to be kind and to not hold it against anyone. So there's things in here that I may not agree with, but it's not a change of mind where it's like, oh, I'll just do it anyways. No, no, it's coming into agreement with what the word of God has said and choosing to follow it. In other words, I'm choosing a change of mind to come into agreement with the heart of God, the word of God, the design of God, and turn of direction to fall into alignment with him. An agreement and an alignment. You see, change of mind is a decision. It is not an emotion. You have got to decide right now that you're gonna change your mind based on the fact that you are choosing to change it, not based on the fact that maybe this message is prompting you in your emotions to change it. That's what sappy commercials do. They get us to open up a credit card and before we know it, I'm not saying it's bad, but we're helping puppies get saved from an orphanage. Again, not saying that it's bad, but that's what it does, our emotions. Our emotions can get caught up in change, but here's the deal, emotions are fleeting. Honestly, like, are my kids in here? I like my kids some days, some days I don't. I love them all the time. Oh, I love them, but I don't like them all the time. I'm still gonna stay their mom, right? I'm choosing to stay, that's, that's, not, that's, that's not a negotiator, right, I'm staying non-negotiable, but my emotions are fleeting. So you've got change as a decision. You gotta do it based on a decision and not an emotion. As a believer, a lifestyle of repentance is needed because of sin. A lifestyle, that means I am daily gonna need to repent because there was only one perfect human on the earth and his name was Jesus. If you didn't know the answer, that's okay, now you do. There was only one person and his name was Jesus. The rest of us, sinners. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner. Didn't want you to come to church today and feel like I'm calling you names. But that is the reality of it, which was the need for Jesus in the first place, right? Because we're sinners. Now, simply put, sin is a violation of a divine standard. I think that some of us put sin on a scale. Like some sins are greater than other sins. You got big sins and you got little sins. Well, that's not the reality because sin is sin. It doesn't matter the kind that it is. Now consequences are different. So the consequence of your sin may be greater based on what the sin is, but the sin itself is still sin. Daily need for repentance. I repented yesterday because I sinned. No, I'm not gonna tell you what I did. <laughs> but I, I sinned yesterday. I'm, I don't think I've sinned right this minute because I asked the Lord to forgive me before I got up here about anything that maybe I know or don't know. But I'll probably sin later tonight. <laughs> Again, lifestyle of repentance. 
This isn't a one or done kind of thing. This is a daily, God, tell me, show me, what is it in my life that has veered me off from your plan or from your word or for your design? It's a lifestyle of repentance. I hope I have some friends out there who sinned yesterday too. Yes, okay, good. Amen for that. Now, how do I exercise repentance? What does repentance look like? Again, this is a reminder for some and something new for others. But what is it to repent on the daily? I love how Dr. Tony Evans defines repentance. He says it's an internal resolve and a determination to turn from your sin. So an internal resolve, meaning I'm changing my mind, I'm making an internal decision, I'm surrendering, I'm changing my mind to that of the mind of Christ, and then a determination, a choice to turn from our sin. Now, I think there's three ingredients when it comes to repentance. Three ingredients for repentance. I encourage you to write this down. So if you take notes, write this down. If you don't take notes, write this down. Number one is this, recognition of sin to recognize my sin. Now, some sins I would say are a little more obvious than maybe others, right? So remember, we're not sinners who make mistakes because sometimes we plan our mistakes, right? So we are sinners saved by grace that still sin and need daily repentance, okay? So part of daily repentance is I'm gonna recognize my sin. What is it maybe that I've done in the last 24 hours that I need to repent from? Now, the other times there's things that maybe we don't know. Maybe we've done something and just in our human nature, we've passed by it. Well, Psalms 139 is a prayer that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. If you pray and ask, the Lord will show you maybe a sin in your life that you need to work on. Does that make sense? Do you understand? So again, some sins you're very aware of. You know, you might have planned it. But then there's other sins that you need to, on the daily, God, search me, show me what it is. Holy Spirit, reveal to me that which I need to turn from. And then another thought is from other people. Recognizing your sin from other people. Now, let me say this, from the right people. Okay, don't just let anybody speak into your life. Don't just go up to someone and be like, hey, can you point out some sins that you see? I would not advise that. But you go to people that care about you and want what's best for you and may see things in you that you don't even see yourself, that you can trust. Repentance is an active posture you're gonna possibly, most likely, have to seek it out. A few um, months ago, my son and I were in an environment with some other students, and we got home, and um, we were talking about it, and I said, hey, bud, I noticed where we were today that there was a young man off to the side by himself. And um, just just to make you aware, like whenever you're somewhere in a room or in uh, an area, and you see someone alone, you know, try to make it a point to go over to them and make them part of the crowd. Because nobody likes to be alone. I don't like to be alone. I'm imagining you don't like to be alone. So just, you know, bring him into the group kind of thing. My son is so precious. He's my oldest and he's 
got such a tender heart. And he very quickly was like, Mom, I'm so sorry. I should have seen it. And I'm like, no, no, no. You don't need to be sorry. This is part of what I get to do as a mom is to train you. So you don't need to apologize, but I think you weren't aware of it, so I wanted to make you aware of it because I want to help you be more and more like Jesus. And then I said to him, and I want you to help me be more and more like Jesus. So if there's anything that you've seen that you feel like I need to work on, I want you to tell me. I'm gonna say five seconds went by. He says, I've got something. I said, okay. He said, um, the other day on the phone, you and we were in the car and you and Nana, Nana's my sister Hannah, the kids call her Nana, so you and Nana were on the phone and um, I was in the back seat, you didn't think I was listening and you were gossiping. And I said, really? I don't recall that. <laughs> he said, no, you were. I said, all right, well, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for telling me, and um, I'm gonna work on that. that, My heart wasn't, I don't think, my heart was to gossip, maybe it was. Um, But like, I don't, I don't, I need to work on that. That's something in my life. Everybody has a weakness, it's okay. Hi, anybody here? Everybody has a propensity to sin. It's just the nature of the human flesh. But don't sit in it, don't stay in it. Recognize it and do different, do different. This is why it's a lifestyle change. And for some of you, I'm not talking about, again, repentance doesn't happen when you like got drunk the night before or you're looking at stuff you shouldn't or maybe you got in prison. Yes, that's not good. Also, sin is offense and unforgiveness and pride and gossip and not being willing to look at the needs of others before I look at the needs of myself. Like, there's all these categories. I'm sure you could think of at least one. And if you can't, Ask a loving person in your life to point it out to you because they will be happy to do so, right? So ask others in your life that know you and love you and love the Lord and they can say to you. Now, really funny, very quickly, we have this conversation with my son. It's this moment. It's so awesome. And uh, my husband gets home that night and we're kind of talking to him about the day, telling him the story and My husband says to my son, well, bud, if there's anything in my life, I want you to tell me too. (laughs) He looks at my dad, at his husband, my husband. (laughs) Listen, I'm so wrecked by what I'm about to tell you. He looks at my husband, his dad, and he says, well, I can't think of anything. about four times a year and you get him the rest of the time. <laughs> work in progress, right here, work in pro- Anybody else? Work in progress, I'm in. I'm not by myself. All right, good, so first ingredient is to recognize your sin. Second point is this, second ingredient, remorse over the recognition. Having a sense of remorse over what you have realized or what the Holy Spirit has made you aware of. Now listen to me, there is a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow. Remorse from the world is I got caught. Or somebody made it aware. It wasn't my, my doings. Worldly sorrow is, man, I got caught. Now, I'm sorry. 
No, that's worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow, godly sorrow says, I've hurt the heart of God. When you feel that feeling of I have hurt the heart of God, that is godly sorrow. That is remorse for the recognition of what you've discovered. Now, also to add to that, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another to receive healing. You see, confession brings freedom. Now, you're not confessing to one another for the forgiveness of sins. That only comes from Jesus. So you go straight to the throne and you say, God, I confess I have messed up. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness. It's done in that moment because of Jesus on the cross. All right, but confession one to another helps you receive the healing that you need and the freedom that you need. So we're recognizing the sin, remorse over that recognition, and then thirdly is to turn from it, reverse. Reverse from the sin. A couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, I took the kids to Alabama to a student camp. And um, my husband had left to go and minister somewhere else. So me and the big kids were in charge of getting ourselves to the airport to get the flight home. Now, I need you to know that um, following travel directions is not my gifting. I am directionally challenged, even with a GPS. Because honestly, that screen is so small, and you're like, which, which turn is it? I don't know. And then they're like, turn right. And I'm not about to get in a wreck, so I'm like, well, I just kept going straight. So um, we're driving and we're on our way to the airport and you know, going down the road and then GPS, recalculating, recalculating. I'm like, okay, I got it, I got it. So I'm going the wrong way, right? And I don't wanna go the wrong way because I'm wasting time. I'm not getting to my destination. Going the wrong way does not get me home. So I, I do a U-turn. Right? I reverse, I, I turn around. So I get off the exit and I turn and I go back, heading back the right direction. I notice as I'm going back the right direction, I'm passing over what I saw going the wrong way. And here's what the enemy of your soul will do. When you decide to turn, when you decide to recognize your sin, have godly sorrow for your sin and turn and go the other direction, the enemy will try to remind you of the things that you're leaving behind. But let me say this to you, you keep going because it's this direction that leads to home. And it's this direction that leads to freedom. And it's this direction that leads you to the presence of Jesus. This is why it can't be based on your emotions because this is gonna pull you, right? But you're saying, no, I'm turning. I have decided to follow Jesus. You know what? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. What? No turning back, no turning back. That's it. No turning back. I'm making a choice. I'm making a decision, not based on my emotions, but based on the word of God, right? In closing today, I wanna share really quickly about the story of the prodigal son. Ooh, it's one of my favorites. If you don't know it, dig into it tonight. Luke 15. I love the book of Luke, by the way. Luke was a physician, so he's super detailed. If you want to learn about the life of Christ, the life of Jesus, start in the book of Luke. But Jesus is the greatest storyteller. He uses parables to teach us. And this particular story, this particular parable he was teaching his disciples was about the lost son. Maybe some of you are familiar with it, and if you're not, let me give you a little bit of a recap 
A father has two sons. He has a younger son and an older son and the younger son decides that he wants his inheritance early because the father was gonna split the inheritance among both of his boys. But the younger son decides, no dad, I want my inheritance now. I don't want it the way you're you want it. I want it the way I want it. So the father agrees. He gives his son his inheritance early. So the son leaves and he squanders all of his money in wealth and wild living. He loses everything. And around, around that same time, there's a famine in the land. So now he's starving. He has no money. He has no way out. He finds himself going to just try and work in feeding the pigs, which for a Jewish boy would be a major thing because pigs were considered unclean. So he is the lowest of the lowest feeding pigs, hoping he can just eat what the pigs eat because he's so hungry, longing for change. Luke 15, 17 says this, it'll be on the screen for you. When he came to his senses, when he had a change of mind, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. This is a sign of godly sorrow. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went back to his father. He recognized where, he, first he had a change of mind. He came to his senses, right? He realized what was going on. He had God, godly sorrow and then he got up made a decision to go back and then look at this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, this is a picture of your heavenly father today. No matter how far you've gone off track, no matter how far you have turned away, he is waiting for you to return back to him. And he's not standing in the door like this. Well, it's about time. Nope. To the point where he saw his son coming, which means he was watching for him. And he is waiting for you with arms open wide to say, come home. Come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, it's then that I will hear, forgive, and heal their land. As believers, it is our responsibility in order for us to receive the healing in our land that we need, the forgiveness that we need, the voice from heaven that we need to pray, to seek, and to turn towards God. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.